I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, Jeff Braun gets despicable. Are the minions up to starring in their own movie? I'll have a review. And I saw a movie that was somewhat despicable itself, Terminator Genesis. I'll tell you whether or not I hated it. First, it's the news from the couch. Yes, I should be. Good Lord, what is happening in there? Aurora Borealis. Uh, Aurora Borealis. At this time of year, at this time of day, in this part of the country, localized entirely within your kitchen. Yes. May I see it? No. Seymour, the house is on fire! No, Mother, it's just the Northern Lights. Well, that didn't take long. Harry Shearer is returning to The Simpsons after quitting over his contract in May. But the 71-year-old Shearer and the show have worked out their differences since then, and so he will indeed be back for the next two seasons. That saves the producers a lot of work because, besides Principal Skinner, Shearer does a ton of other characters on the show. Tonight on Smartline, the power plant strike. Argle bargle or foofarah? It's all over, people. We don't have a prayer. Uh, he's all right, but he's no bowl of special K. My name is Atu. I love to get blood to. Johnny Tightlips, where'd they hit you? I ain't saying nothing. Well, what do I tell the doctor? Tell him to suck a lemon. How do you sleep at night? On top of a pile of money with many beautiful ladies. Oakley Dougley. Excellent. All those guys and many more will be back with Shearer in the fall for season 27. Uh, excuse me, I'd like to request $17 for a push broom rebristling. Why, it's that delightful TV leprechaun. I'm going to get you a lucky charms. Oh no, my brains. Abominable Snowman of Pasadena? These are all Goosebumps manuscripts. It is Comic-Con week, so that means a lot of trailers are going to be released this week. And on that note, the first trailers have arrived for the Goosebumps movie. Remember Goosebumps? The series of books from R.L. Stein. It also got adapted for television in the 90s on YTV, and it also ran in the U.S. on Fox. Now it's a movie starring Jack Black. This week, the first domestic trailer was released, and then the international trailer was released on the same day. That one features a little bit more footage. The movie is about a teenager named Zach and his mom. The mom is played by Amy Ryan. They move to a small town. Zach is cranky about it, but then he meets the pretty girl next door. So you're the new neighbor? Yeah, I'm Zach, by the way. I'm Hannah. Hannah, get away from the window now. I gotta go. Hi. Hey, we're just moving in. You see that fence? I uh, yes. Stay on your side of it. He's a big teddy bear. Don't take it personally. He doesn't really like anyone. Yeah. Oh, wow, that theme song is so 90s. Her dad is Jack Black. He turns out to be R.L. Stein, the author of the Goosebumps books. But here's the thing. They're not just books. The monsters in his stories are all real, and the only thing keeping them from unleashing terror upon the world is the manuscripts that imprison them. Why are these books locked? Did you unlock a book? Oh no. I'm sorry. I'll put it back where it belongs. Look, here it is. No, don't open it! Nobody make a sound. 
abominable snowman just crawled out of a book. That doesn't just happen. You've just released every monster I've ever created. What was that? It's the invisible boy. Ow! Uh, he is such a cracker. The monsters have all been freed from their manuscripts. The abominable snowman from Pasadena, Slappy the dummy, a whole bunch of angry garden gnomes. Looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. For the family, Goosebumps opens October 16th. Gnomes? Maybe they're friendly. Not friendly. Definitely not friendly. Talk to me, Sandy. So far, we've always had time to get a second opinion, double-check the intelligence. He's number four on the hit list, Carrie. What more do you need to know? You been online this morning? No. Well, Dante Darpakel's gone viral. Little girls dancing, then the missiles hit. It's devastating. I need to find out what happened. The first little trailer, it's more of just a promo, is out for season five of Homeland. The Showtime show stars Claire Danes as CIA agent Carrie Matheson, a CIA agent who plays by her own rules. Just to bring it back to The Simpsons for a moment, she's basically McGarnacle. You're off the case, McGarnacle. You're off your case, Chief. What does that mean exactly? It means he gets results, you stupid chief! Oh, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> I just love McGarnacle. Anyways, the first couple of seasons of Homeland focused on a Marine played by Damian Lewis who had been taken hostage by Al-Qaeda. After his release, Danes had to figure out if he had been swayed to the other side. The show also stars Mandy Patinkin as her boss. It hasn't been a 14-year war we've been waging, but a one-year war. Waged 14 times. Last year, they sort of rebooted the show now that the Marine stuff with Damien Lewis is well gone. And season five will take two take place two years after last season. She's left the CIA and working security for a German billionaire, but it looks like she's going to get pulled back in. Turn your back on your entire life. What are you talking for? Keeping America safe. You're being naive and stupid. Something you never were before. I'm not atoning. I'm just trying to do good work. The promo doesn't show a whole lot. They're actually still shooting the season in Germany. Homeland will return sometime in the fall, probably October. You bring a life into this world, you take responsibility. What the hell is wrong with What you? is wrong with you? She's a soldier in a war, Peter. Everybody handles it their own way. I'm so sorry. More news from the couch next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes, continuing now with more news from the couch. Station Chatham, you copy? I repeat, conditions hazardous. We've got an 18-foot fracture in our hull. How do you want us to proceed, over? You know they're saying this is gonna be the biggest storm that ever hit the East Coast. It's gonna be hurricanes right in an hour. That's a clip from a trailer that grabbed my attention this week. It's for The Finest Hours, which is based on a true story of what the film describes as the most daring U.S. Coast Guard rescue attempt in history. It's set in February 1952. 
A huge storm hits New England and pounds the eastern seaboard, including the ships caught in its path. One of those ships is the SS Pendleton. What's this on the radio? Ship breaking up. She's a T2 tanker, split right in half. We got maybe two, three hours, and then we sink. Chief, pick yourself a crew, and you assist that ship, you hear? That's why I signed up. Guess now's my chance. That man in there don't know what he's doing. He's sending you out to die. In the Coast Guard, they say, you gotta go out. They don't say you gotta come back in. Chris Pine leads the small crew that is tasked with attempting a rescue. Casey Affleck is the first assistant engineer on the SS Pendleton who has to rally the 30 sailors trapped on what's left of the ship to work together to stay alive. No one's getting over the bar in this weather. It's a suicide mission. Please tell me we're taking that boat to a bigger boat. Pine's team of four sets out in a wooden lifeboat with not the greatest engine. As you heard in the clip, they lose their compass, the water's freezing, and they're dealing with huge waves and don't forget, hurricane force winds. It's in 3D, so it should be a sensory experience on the big screen. Here's hoping the substance matches the style when the finest hours opens January 29th, 2016. unmistakable baritone of Vin Diesel, which of course is one of his trademarks. Even when he's blowing stuff up and beating people to a pulp, it's really his voice that makes Diesel so diesel-y. Most recently, we heard his grumble in the year's best movie, Furious 7. Like it or not, you and your friends are a part of it now. I don't have friends. I got family. And in fact, it was his voice alone that got him a gig in an animated classic in the 90s, The Iron Giant, which is about to come back to theaters. Hey, Mom, guess what I found? It's a robot, and it eats metal! Oh, Hogarth. Hey, big metal guy, I got food here for ya! Diesel plays the alien robot fallen to Earth and befriended by a young boy named Hogarth. Do you talk? Can you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he doesn't talk a whole lot. Rock. Good. He was also hired for his voice and then asked to barely speak in last year's Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm Warner Brothers announced the Iron Giant will be back in theaters two days only this fall, September 30th and October 4th, hopefully in a theater near you. There will also be two new scenes in the movie, and it will be available for home viewing shortly afterwards. No, wait! It's me! Hogarth, remember? It's bad to kill. Guns, kill. And you don't 
You are what you choose to be. You choose. Choose. As many of you know, um, my family is in the middle of a very difficult time. And John even offered to reschedule to give me the time to do whatever it is you do and your son shoots himself. You made a promise to me. You said you'd make sure you paid. And I will. But they gotta find the guy first. You find him. The first trailer is out for a show starring Ron Perlman. It's called Hand of God, and it's on Amazon. Its first episode premiered online last year, and now it's got a full series order. Perlman plays a corrupt judge named Purnell Harris. He has a breakdown after a family tragedy, and he starts to hear what he believes are messages from God. God is speaking to me through PJ. What is God telling you to do? Get the man who raped the Jocelyn. And now the judge is set to dole out justice for God. I'm not a good man. But I do know this. God told me. And I answer. And that is the news from The Couch. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming out on Blu-ray and DVD. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. What's the last thing you remember? I had a glimpse into the past. You're going to have to do for me what I once did for you. as well. Side by side to end this war. Before it ever begins. Brett McCarry and Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes having a look at what is coming home this week. And what is that, Jeff? That is X-Men Days of Future Past, but you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. I already own that on Blu-ray. That's my favorite movie. Why would I buy that again? This is the Rogue Cut, the character of Rogue, played by the lady from True Blood. Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin, there you go. She apparently was in the movie quite a bit, and they chopped out her whole storyline, but now it's been reinstated. So it's Days of Future Past, the Rogue Cut, as if it wasn't confusing enough already. Yeah, that movie was quite confusing, actually, uh, but it still managed to work. And it was when they had to cut her out, I know that there was a lot of talk about it, a lot of disappointment. Brian Singer, really, the director, he really uh, anguished over that decision. Yeah, and, uh, you know, because she's a popular girl, especially with True Blood, people were excited to see her back in an X-Men movie, and then she's just barely there. I also see that the second best exotic Marigold Hotel is out. Um, that one did not was not as well received as the first one. No, it was not. I think it's it's I can't remember the years exactly. It feels like I know when I heard about this second one I was like, wow, they got that out in a hurry. Once they have the script, it's probably the kind of movie where they can give it to the actors, shoot it in a week and it's done because it didn't look like a, a high guess, budget affair. Yeah, they didn't have to do a bunch of stunt choreography or 
Yeah, and they're all super green screens. Yeah, and they're all super accomplished actors that can probably memorize it and throw it down like nothing. All right, that's what's uh, coming home this week. Up next, we're going to talk movies, Minions, Terminator, Genesis, and even some more Jurassic World. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. A couple of movie reviews now and new in theaters this weekend. I saw Minions. Minions. Minions have been on this planet far longer than we have. They go by many names. Dave, Carl. Oh, that one is Norbert. He's an idiot. They all share the same goal. To serve the most despicable master around. Sit a banana! Yum, yum! The minions, of course, are the little yellow blobs that help or try to help the evil Gru in the Despicable Me movies. And now they have their own movie, and it's an origin story. Like the man says, the minions have been around forever, originally serving the dinosaurs. And throughout history, they would serve all different evil masters. But after Napoleon, they went into hiding in the in an Arctic cave. And after years and years and years, started to get depressed about not having a master. And yes, things were looking pretty bleak for the minions. But then one minion stepped forward. Kevin felt pride. He was going to be the one to find his tribe the biggest, baddest villain to serve. Stuart felt hungry, mostly. He was going to be the one to eat this banana. And Bob, Bob was frightened of the journey ahead. The journey ahead takes the minions to America. We find out it's 1968, still years before the time of Gru. But the minions soon hook up with the baddest villain of the day, Scarlet Overkill. Work for me, and all your dreams come true. Respect. Power. Banana. Banana. That's Sandra Bullock as Scarlet Overkill. Her husband, Herb, is played by John Hamm. Michael Keaton and Allison Janney have voiced small parts in the movie as well. But of course, it's the Minions who are the stars of the show. I'm a villain, a winner, woman, that's in the winners. Do you know who this is? This is Queen Elizabeth, and I really, really, really want her crown. You came for the Queen's crown, did you? Well, you're gonna have to get through me! Stealing the Queen's crown has a number of bizarre consequences. That's getting a little deep into the movie, though. I don't want to spoil anything. The movie cooks along at a pretty good pace. It's an hour and a half, and it flies by. It felt like it was structured oddly in the middle, though. Some second act problems. The setup of everything from the history of the Minions through to when they meet Scarlet Overkill is fine. And the big action scenes in the third act are fine, but the middle feels choppy. It's like every few minutes you get a scene that makes you think to yourself, oh, this is going to be what the plot of the movie is about. But then after a few minutes, it changes again, and you think, oh, this is what the plot of the movie is going to be. And I I don't know, it kept doing that. I I felt like it was doing that. I found it a little disorienting. The biggest problem, though, is that it's not as funny as it should be. I don't know if they just couldn't think of funnier stuff for the Minions to do, or if it is the fact that the Minions just are not lead character material. They flesh a couple of them out a bit more than they do in the Despicable Me movies, of course, but they're still fairly one-dimensional little creatures. I guess they fall into the uh, works better in small doses category, Now, Brett, I saw it with my buddy Jeff, and just a sidebar here, his six-year-old daughter is not at all impressed that the two of us got to see it before she did. Daddy, where are you going? Oh, I'm going with Uncle Jeff to see the the Minions. What? (laughs) 
<laughs> I did briefly think about bringing his daughter along, but she's too little. I can't take. I don't want to babysit a kid at the movie like that. Yeah, it's not your. Yeah. your... <laughs> so I said, "Is like, hey, give her a couple more years, and she can come watch cartoons with me if she wants." <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, um, he had also seen the Penguins of Madagascar movie with his kids, and he said it was the same sort of thing. You know, the penguins are hysterical in the Madagascar movies, but it's a bit much when they are the star of the movies, and I, that's just a Hollywood thing. You know, when someone mentions Despicable Me, someone else inevitably pipes up, "Hey, the minions are the best," and if that happens enough, someone will decide that they should be the stars. It's like Urkel syndrome on Family Matters. He was a minor character, and he quickly became took over that whole show. Yeah. Uh, This, of course, though, was much less irritating than Urkel was. And even though it could have been funnier, there were a few really good laughs in the movie. Um, The classic rock soundtrack from the 60s I thought was pretty terrific. I was not expecting that, even though the trailers have a lot of music from The Doors and Jimi Hendrix and Queen. Uh, The kids won't care about the music, though, but I did hear a lot of laughter in the theater. No one was crying walking out of the theater, so I guess the kids like it. I'll give it three couch cushions out of five. Well, and I think that's the, the basic gist of what's going to happen here. The kids will love it. The adults in the the theater may not enjoy it's, it. It's easy enough to, like, it's pleasant enough to sit through. It's not, sometimes, you know, it's not Barney or one of these entertainments for children that just drive parents nuts. You won't mind watching Minions, yeah. even if it's not your thing. Um also, I read one review, and I can't remember how it was put exactly, but it said the Hollywood machine has found a way to cash in on the nostalgia that even five-year-olds feel for something they liked when they were younger. <laughs> They've already managed to commercialize, yeah. because that's what it is. They they saw how much kids like the Minions. I mean, I bought some Minion stuffed, I don't want to say stuffed animals, like some stuffed toy right. for uh, my my friend's kid yeah. for his birthday, and he went nuts over it. I mean, they, the kids love these minions, so I don't blame them for making a movie. I mean, it, it's they're in the business of making money. That is true. And they're going to make a lot of money off of the movie and all the products and stuff they're going to sell because of it. Up next, I'm going to tell you about Terminator Genesis. Not making a whole lot of money. That's next. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. The machine sent a Terminator back to the time before the war to kill my mother, Sarah Connor. Sir, let me save her. What you're doing right now, this is the end of the war. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are the Couch Potatoes. I went to see a couple of movies this week. One of them, Terminator Genesis. The time you're going back to, she was scared and weak. Take care of it for me, Kyle. Come with me if you want to live! Now, soldier! It's a reboot of the Terminator movies. Sarah Connor, this time, is played by Emilia Clarke. She's Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. John Connor is played by Jason Clarke. Kyle Reese is played by Jai Courtney, and Arnold Schwarzenegger returns as the T-800 Terminator. This is all wrong. John sent me here to save you. From the Terminator that was sent back to kill me, I know, but we already took care of him. We? I've been waiting for you. The time John sent you to, it no longer exists. 
Everything's changed. We can stop Judgment Day from happening. Do you remember Terminator Salvation, the one that had Christian Bale in it, where he played John Connor? That was supposed to be the beginning of a new Terminator trilogy set in the future, but that film did not do very well, so now this is the beginning of a new Terminator trilogy. I'll be back. What? like I said, this is a reboot. It's got a different approach to the Terminator timeline. Sarah Connor in this is orphaned as a child and raised by an aging T-800 Terminator who is there waiting for the young version looking of himself. T-800, the machine sent back to kill Sarah Connor. So in the first movie, they send back Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator to kill her. In this movie, they still do that, but older Arnold is there waiting for the younger version, and uh, older Arnie kills younger Arnie. It's an interesting way to get Schwarzenegger back in a Terminator movie in a way that makes sense, because the reason why he ages on screen is the cybernetic, the, the tissue that's around his metal body ages, because it's human tissue. Anyway, it ended up being rather confusing. Also, if you've seen all of the trailers, then you know they revealed a major plot spoiler. Major, I will not reveal it, but they basically give away the, the entire movie. When they released that trailer, fans were outraged and they actually pulled back in the rest of the marketing. They didn't make direct mention. It was kind of implied, but it wasn't entirely clear as to what was happening. The movie's not getting very good reviews. 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't do so well at the box office. It made $28.7 million for the three-day weekend, or $42.5 million if you look at it as a five-day long weekend in the U.S. because they had their July 4th long weekend. Uh, the movie opened on Wednesday. And I think overall it's around $135 million last time I checked worldwide. So that's not horrible, but I have mixed emotions on this film. On one hand, do we even need more Terminator movies? On the other hand, I love the original three. So why not make more? And yes, when I say I love the original three, that includes the third one that often gets dumped on, Rise of the Machines. I thought that was a thrilling action movie, and the female Terminator was super cool. I didn't care for that fourth one, though, Terminator Salvation. It was rather boring and joyless, uh, particularly without Schwarzenegger, who kind of appeared in that CG style. But now that we have this new Terminator and Arnold Schwarzenegger is back in the movie, and the story makes sense to accommodate him for his age. That's pretty cool. I like how we get to see into the future as Kyle Reese is sent back in time. So that was neat to see, to actually... Because in the first movie, we just meet Kyle Reese after he's been sent back in time. We don't see the future. Now we see it happen. And I'm okay with them messing with the timeline. Uh, so the Terminator saga we knew never happened to an extent. I should also point out, before I forget... Uh, for the purposes of this movie, they're, they're only going by the events of the first two movies. They're ignoring Rise of the Machines and Terminator Salvation. I think the problem with this movie, though, is for, for one, the time travel stuff gets really confusing. Uh, another reason why it's confusing is there are huge, gaping plot holes which are left wide open because this is a planned trilogy. Terminator Genesis is a planned trilogy, and those answers, we're told, are going to come if more movies are made, which could be a tough sell since this one is not being well received critically and commercially. There is something halfway through the credits, by the way, 
that hints at what's to come. Some of those plot holes, for example, who sent Arnold back to when Sarah Connor was a kid? And why? It's never mentioned. Seems like an important detail. Also, there's a T-1000 Terminator in this film. That's never mentioned as to what he's doing chasing them around in the past either. The action is, is good. It's tremendous. The visuals are great. I like how the movie pays homage as well to the first two movies by combining familiar elements and making them new. One of the things that they did, they did a really good job at is there are some scenes that are shot for shot identical to those scenes from the first movie. The way that Kyle Reese lands, for example, when he arrives from the future. Remember, he hits the ground hard, lands on his side. It's identical. Uh, when we see him stealing a homeless guy's clothes, because he has to travel through time naked, um, we see him, th it's the same shot. It's like you're watching the first movie, but not. So that's that was cool because it was their way of saying, Here's, we acknowledge the first movie, now we're going to change it up by throwing something in from the second movie and make those two movies come together. And then they used the CG version of young Arnold from the first Terminator movie. It was a rather impressive effect seeing the two Arnolds fight. It wasn't perfect, but it looked pretty good. But there was just something missing from this film. Emilia Clarke as Sarah Connor, Jai Courtney as Kyle Reese. They were just kind of bland. I mean, they weren't awful, but in these roles, they simply did not command the screen like Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean. Even the T-1000 in this one, not nearly as cool as Robert Patrick in T-2. The twist is interesting. They have indeed found a fresh way to tell the Terminator story, so I'm somewhat intrigued. Without giving it away, basically, something changes in the future. That ends up altering the past. Makes sense? The problem is that to watch this, you're basically being told the events in the first movies never happen. They're being erased with this new story. So while I don't mind them messing with the timeline, I don't really want to pretend those movies never happened because they were awesome. And this movie simply was not. Terminator Genesis looks cool. The action and effects are tremendous. Has an intriguing new story that says, okay, so you know the original Terminator story. Now we're going to tell you a new one. And I'm curious to see where it goes, but this was not an overall satisfying experience. And maybe that's because, despite how fresh it is, it's still more or less the same story. Terminators go back in time to stop Sarah and John Connor from preventing Judgment Day in the future. So it feels kind of been there, done that. And that's why Terminator Salvation blew it so badly. That was the real opportunity to tell a fresh Terminator story. In this case, I just left completely underwhelmed. Despite seeing Arnold back in his most iconic role in a way that makes sense for his age, this movie just does not get it right. Two and a half couch cushions out of five for Terminator Genesis. And up next, I'll offer my quick thoughts on Jurassic World and see if I liked it as much as Jeff did. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry and Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. we got 60 seconds here, I will tell you. <laughs> Gotta love the Jurassic Park song. It's hard not to sit to hum along to. So I saw Jurassic World this week, and, and I meh, meh. I I I but, don't know. The dinosaurs, Brett. Come on. Everybody, see that's the thing. Everybody loves dinosaurs. Seeing the dinosaurs in the big screen was thrilling, but I just wasn't blown away by this like everybody else was. Um, I think it's just because it felt like watching Jurassic Park three again. Because there was the. It's better than JP3, man. Come on. But it's the basically, like, we're supposed to be excited about this bigger, scarier dinosaur yeah, who's okay. bigger and badder than, than the T Rex. That's what, what Jurassic Park 3 was about. 
So the only th I mean, yes, the park is open and it's cool seeing all the people and whatnot, but I don't know. I just felt like eventually seeing dinosaurs on the big screen do the same thing over and over again is getting kind of boring to You're me. You're done with the JPs then. I think so. All right. But I'll, st I'll still go see him. But that's all the time we have. I'll, I'll give it three couch cushions out of five. That's all the time we have. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.